to send it to me, asianwave101 at gmail.com. Coming up next is our weekly arts report with Jake. He's got a couple guests coming in here. And that will do it for this week's Asian Wave 101 on CITR 101.9 FM in Vancouver. I'm Steve. This has been your weekly dose of Asian Wave 101. Until next time, everyone, take care and JSB Dream by the J-Soul Brothers, third generation from Exile Tribe, to play us out. Peace, guys.
When you join Balloon Club, we guarantee that you will be able to make a balloon poodle within the first day. Here at the UBC Ant Club, we just like to talk about ants and compare ant farms. Uh, it's really cool. Paperclip Club is all about, well, paperclips mostly. At Blah Club, you can blah blah, blah 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 blah. Explosions. There's only one club worth joining at UBC, and that's CITR 101.9 FM. We got free tickets to shows, whirly pops, professional help in all types of audio engineering, passes to festivals, crazy parties, live band swag, all types of crazy people. Our programming manager rides a motorcycle. There's freestyle rapping, Nardwar, the human serviette, the vinyl and record libraries, Discorder magazine, free studio recording, and it sure beats the hell out of Paperclip Club, which is a thing that I just made up because I work at CITR. So come check us out on the top floor of the Student Union building. We got all types of crazy shit for you to do. Or check us out online at www.citr.ca. Good evening. It is Wednesday, May 20th, 2015, and you are tuned in to the Arts Report. Today on the program, we have a big list, a lot of stuff coming up. Um, Lydia DiCarlo is going to be on the phone soon to talk about an event in your neighborhood called Naked Girls Reading um, that will not be at the public library. Um, we have uh, an interview later in the program with Jeff Gladstone of Jeff Gladstone and the Bad Ideas on his upcoming performance, Hell of a Girl, which is part of the Revolver Festival, um, starting tonight at the um, at the Colch, and we um, and a few other things around town. We've got um, Haley, our brand new intern, is going to tell us some things happening in a little while that you can go check out. Um, but first up uh, on the show, our arts reporter Haley Ma brings us a review of Adam Lewis Schroeder's new book, All Day Breakfast, which is out now on, um, it's put out by Douglas and McIntyre. So here is Haley, uh, Haley Ma's review of All Day Breakfast. Okay. This is All Day Breakfast by Adam Lewis Schroeder, a book review by Haley Ma. This book was published in March of this year by Douglas and McIntyre. Think about what pop culture has taught you about zombies. Let that mental image grow in your brain. What comes to mind? Probably scraggly, lumbering beings that groan and moan around. They attack you with arms extended in search of precious brains for food. Now, let me propose a different kind of decomposing being to you. If a zombie is sentient, realizes all of the changes that are happening in his rotting body, and is working actively towards finding a cure, is he even a zombie? It's a question brought up repeatedly in Adam Lewis Schroeder's new epic novel, All Day Breakfast. In All Day Breakfast, zombies are manifested in a bit of a different form than you've seen on screen before. For starters, they're infected by a mysterious pink goop that was in developed by the U.S. military to form super soldiers. Second, they're in search of bacon to eat, not brains. And, unexpectedly, these zombies' bodies have healing powers that'll make any superhero jealous. Your arm accidentally detaches during a violent fight over the last pack of bacon at the convenience store? No problem. A few staples and five minutes later, your arm will be reattached and ready to throw a few punches at the next fiend who tries to steal your precious bacon. At least, that's the logic that these characters fall under. These bacon-munching, sentient zombies are the brainchild of author Adam Lewis Schroeder, 
He's a creative writing instructor at UBCO who lives in Penticton, and Aldi Breakfast is his fourth novel. He was inspired by his wife's obsession with Jack Reacher, the ultra-masculine vigilante hero of Lee Child's mystery novels. Schroeder and his wife started to wonder, what would happen if this nomadic, aggressive, grief-stricken hero was a zombie like in the Walking Dead comics? He initially wrote the book before the tidal wave of zombie-centric content hit popular culture. All Day Breakfast was in the making before the TV show version of The Walking Dead, before Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, and before movies like World War Z and Zombieland hit the big screen. This might be why zombies are so vastly different than the brain-seeking, mindless ones that we've seen on screen nowadays. The novel begins with small-town high school substitute teacher Peter Giller, who has recently lost his wife to cancer. He's a responsible dad, hyper-aware of his children's safety and a strict follower of the rules. However, on a chemistry field trip to a plastics factory, Peter and his students become splattered with the top-secret pink goo that makes him feel a little weird. Firstly, they start to crave bacon, badly enough that they're willing to kill others in the name of that last greasy strip. Second, their limbs start to fall off a little bit too easily for comfort. Peter soon finds himself leaving his kids and traveling across the American Midwest with his students in order to find a cure for their condition. Peter is fiercely defensive of his family, and the promise of seeing his kids again is what gets him through the novel. He hunts down the head honchos of corporations from a stolen ambulance. He even sneaks into top-secret military compounds and discovers a dark underbelly of humanity that makes even zombies look harmless. All the while, Peter and his students grapple with the question of their own status as human beings after being genetically transformed. These intense philosophical debates are at odds with the book's violent fight scenes and cross-country chase sequences. All Day Breakfast is basically a zombie road trip novel full of gleeful gore. Traveling across the country with Peter, we see everything from failed mutant animal mashups to floating heads and fish tanks with grosser and even gorier things in between. The book starts out in suburbia, but, but descends into a dark, morally ambiguous thrill ride that's sarcastic as hell every step of the way. It's hilarious and twisted, and at one particular moment from the book perfectly illustrates its self-aware dark humor. Peter and co. are squatting at an abandoned pig factory hiding from society. He's reeling from a violent fight and seeing the bodies of his students literally falling apart in front of his eyes. Then, Peter is distracted by something outside. It's some of his students, and they're doing the zombie dance from Michael Jackson's thriller video with their limbs literally detaching from their bodies as they move. Schroeder himself stated that, For such a possibly cartoonish concept to feel halfway genuine, I had to populate it from my own experience. In this case, the, author, the author's personal experience is almost as dramatic as the book. Firstly, during the editing stages of the book, he developed a brain tumor. Diagnosed with Cushing syndrome, Schroeder developed a Rubik's Cube-sized tumor in his pituitary gland right at the bottom of his brain. He's healthy now, but Schroeder is the first to point out in interviews that the brain surgery he himself underwent is similar to a gory surgery that occurs to one of the more vicious zombies at the end of the novel. These dark parallels haunted Schroeder's writing process. The author was facing the recent loss of no less than three family members while writing the novel, and his dealing with grief is reflected in his widowed protagonist. What's also interesting is that the author is also a teacher himself. In the book, the protagonist Peter is initially pretty judgmental of his teenage students. He's far removed from their awkwardness, their braces, and their rampant hormones. Understandably, Peter's caught up in his own problems, such as being a new widow and a single parent. But as Peter spends weeks with his students on the search for a cure, he begins to see them as, well, people, despite their rotting limbs. His teenage students, despite their transformation into zombies, retain their libidos, their sass, and their overall rebellion against authority. It makes you wonder in what kind of light the author sees his own students, and 
whether any of them inspired the, co the colorful characters of the novel. Overall, if you're looking for a fresh perspective on the zombie novel, look no further than Aldi Breakfast by Adam Lewis Schroeder. The gory violence and the dark humor help keep you on your toes. Although it can get a, bit, a little bit winding around the middle mark of this 400-page novel, the violent, action-packed final act is worth sticking it out for, although try not to eat while reading it. Unless, of course, it's bacon. Adam Lewis Schroeder himself said that if all-day breakfast has one message, it's to eat as much bacon as you possibly can while you have the chance. And I say amen to that. Naked Girls Reading presents Girls Gone Oscar Wilde, an evening with the wit, wit, uh, the wit, wisdom, fiction, and philosophy of Oscar Wilde. Naked Girls Reading is a monthly nude literary salon featuring just that, uh, readings by burlesque luminaries, professional librarians, authors, and otherwise naked girls. Um, NBC New York says, what did you do last night? If you answered anything other than went to Naked Girls Reading, then you lose. Uh, to talk about the event, we are joined by host uh, Lydia DiCarlo. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. So what is Naked Girls Reading? It is exactly what I think it is. It is Naked Girls Reading. <laughs> it's really hard to accept the simplicity of it. Um, people tend to try to make more of it, but it actually is just exactly what you think. It's um, It's kind of our version of a really excellent book club. An excellent book club, yeah. <laughs> Um, and how, how did uh, how did it begin? It began um, probably about like eight years ago in Chicago with um, burlesque show girl Michelle Lamore. She started the first ever Naked Girls reading in her uh, salon, Lamore, and from there it just took off, kind of like how Doctor Sketchies did. If you know what Doctor Sketchies is, yeah, that's right. It's an yeah, effect, so uh, it's kind of like the same thing. It just started. You know, people from other cities, like, they wanted to do it. They thought it was a great concept. It was a really great way to um, for us to express our love of literature in a kind of a new format. And so it just kind of snowballed from there. And now there's, there's chapters everywhere. So, and and um, we have one now here in Vancouver. <laughs> and, it, and it kind of fits into a lot of the programming at Hot Art Wet City, just on Main Street off of... Uh, it really does, yeah. I mean, I, when I this show is not an easy show to approach um, venues with. <laughs> it's kind of it's a little bit different, and you can't you can't obviously put it into a bar. It's more of a, a theater, it's an art setting. Um, so it's been a really they've been so supportive, and it's been such a great experience having it there. Now, Vancouver is. I mean, we have a pretty rich burlesque scene, and um, and. And everything, uh, much like burlesque, Naked Girls Reading is like a sex-positive and body-positive event. W w what's the atmosphere like? Um, it's pretty. It is. It's very a very welcoming and encouraging atmosphere. Just as you kind of, if you ever been to any of the burlesque shows or any, um, just any of those like kind of gender-positive and queer-positive uh, events, we kind of harbor. We all tend to harbor this same kind of. Um, just very inclusive and welcoming kind of vibe with our events. I mean, Girls Gone Oscar Wilde, this, sorry, Naked Girls Reading and Girls Gone Oscar Wilde, um, this next one, is it's at 
at our West City, which if you've ever been to, it's actually a very intimate, it's a smaller space. So it's not like you kind of go into this giant auditorium. <laughs> you go into it, it's just a very nice, cozy space. So you really get to know, you can talk to the readers, and people can kind of mingle with each other. So it's just a very nice, relaxing environment. Now, I, I read an article in the Globe and Mail about something similar, but but very different at the same time. So, um, oh. author Jeffrey Luscombe, he he described going to an event. Um, it was a, a naked book club that he was invited to as an author, and um, the title of the piece was um, was Would Alice Munro attend a naked book club? And and probably not, but I did anyways because. <laughs> I think his his motto as an author is "What would Alice Munro do?" and he tries to to follow that. Uh, and I, I guess one of the differences for that is that all of the attendees at the book club were were totally naked. But but he 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 found it everyone was really polite, and there was in this particular book club there was just a complete lack of erotic charge in the room. Um, but uh, what, what's it like for for naked girls reading? How, how does the nudity affect the you know, literary discussion? I know that, well, for everybody, it's going to be different. Um, I think because ours is more of a show rather than kind of everybody's naked and hanging out kind of vibe. Like, (laughs) it's more of a, we set a, I set a really beautiful scene of, uh, you know, we do kind of like set deck and everything. So it does create kind of whatever topic we are reading for that time. So I think it's definitely, you can't help, but, um, have a little bit of an erotic charge there anyway, especially because all of our girls that read, that come and read for us are performers and entertainers, and they are of a kind of a very sexually aware um, mindset that I think, yeah, you kind of can't help that, especially because it also is, we are doing it very unapologetically. There's, we're not hiding in any way. So that's kind of one of the awesome things about Naked Girls Reading is that everybody that's involved is, Nobody's kind of going up there and pretending to hide behind their robe or their hair or anything like that. It's just beautifully simple. <laughs> and at the heart of it, it is also a, a monthly literary salon. So um, tell me, yeah. tell me about the choices. Tell me about Oscar Wilde. Well, that, that's that's the theme for this month. Um, last month, I just did um, Tales of Love, so that was a very broad kind of. Uh, theme and I let the girls pick whatever they want to read and we have a meeting and we discuss you know and, and they can pick whatever they want so at uh, Tales of Love we had Shakespeare we had erotica we had love letters we had so it's a very since the girls get to pick whatever they want it's really neat to see and kind of hear their their what they choose so and then for Girls Gone Oscar Wilde um kind of depending on I think Two of the girls are going to do a duo reading of The, um, the Importance of Being Earnest, which will probably be very funny. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to read some love letters that Oscar Wilde wrote to his lover. And uh, I think we're going to have maybe a portrait of Dorian Gray. Some just kind of select probably some of the more popular pieces from Oscar Wilde. So, well, Yeah, and then from there we kind of choose different themes after that. I'm, and I'm always open to suggestions from my audience because I know my taste in literature is definitely different from everybody else's, and I would love to accommodate everybody. So <laughs> I was hoping to maybe do, like, a hip-hop theme or, um, I don't know. I was also, like, would really like to do some Vancouver writers, like an all-Vancouver, or maybe just uh, Canadian writers theme, which would be neat. We could find out if Alice Monroe would go, finally, to a naked book club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> well, thanks. So yeah, the theme's always changing. So that's yeah. kind of the really great thing is that maybe if you don't love Oscar Wilde, maybe you'll like the next one. And you can always check out um, uh, Hot Art West City has a great little newsletter that they put out. Um, if you go to their website, it's hotartwestcity.com, and you can sign up, and they'll always um, let you know what, what we're doing that month. And so it happens every month. Is it the third Wednesday? It's the or? third Thursday, Thursday yes. of every month. So our next one is tomorrow, actually. <laughs> and you can get tickets at the same at um, hotartwestcity.com. They're on their website there, too. So and kind of a cool date night thing if you are a little bit more open. <laughs> well, I was <laughs> going to mention that, too. you can also go if you're yeah. just a lover of books. If you are just, you know, who doesn't love being read to? And tickets are available, as as you just mentioned, that there's single tickets and tickets for a couple, if um, yes. together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for taking the time to tell us about um, about a, a literary club in the city. No problem. I think you can come one time. Well, we'll, we'll be covering this event in the future, I'm sure. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, well, great talking to you. All right. Thanks very much. No problem. Bye. <laughs> On Thursday, May 21st, CITR is having its first annual Access Day. From noon to 6 p.m., we will be preempting shows to showcase content about accessibility, self-efficacy, social accessibility, adaptive programming, and lots more. CITR Access Day programming focuses on commitments to honoring an inclusive, healthy, and dynamic society in which each person, regardless of background, experience, or circumstance, is able to participate in and benefit from the community. Featuring guests from Rick Hansen Society, the Vancouver Adaptive Music Society, the UBC School of Community and Regional Planning, and many more. Join us online at citr.ca or tune in to 101.9 FM anytime between noon to 6 p.m. Thursday the 21st. Fire Hall Art Center's God and the Indian explores one of Canada's darkest chapters, the residential school system. Celebrated playwright Drew Hayden Taylor's black humor illuminates this heartbreaking story of a Cree woman who cannot escape her past. On from May 20th to 30th, see firehallartcenter.ca for details. Crimes and Treasons Radio, this is Riff Raff. Every Tuesday from 9 to 11 p.m. on 101.9 FM. Yes, yes, you and I rock with the best. 101.9 CITR Radio. Crimes and Treasons, this is your boy Just Blaze. Right now you're rocking with Jules Andre Brown, Rolly Bells, Jamal Steels, and Horsepower. You know what it is, right? Yo, I am Sue, man. I want to shout out Crimes and Treasons Radio, man. CITR 101.9, man. Turn up, turn up, turn up. You're listening to CITR 101.9, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the traditional, unceded, Coast Salish territory of the Hunkaminam-speaking Musqueam people. You are tuned in to the Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM in Vancouver. 
And um, Hannah Doby, our newest um, arts reporter, is here to tell us about some events in the city. Welcome, Hannah. Thank you. Um, so you did a little bit of research and found some events that are happening in this next week. What, uh, what can you tell us about? Yeah, for sure. All right. So uh, later this month, a light will be shone on a dark chapter in Canada's history. Aboriginal writer Drew Hayden Taylor's play entitled God and the Indian, starring local Vancouver performer Lisa C. Ravensbergen, is about the aftermath of the residential school system. The play will be performed May 20th, 21st sorry, to 30th at the Fire Hall. Also later this month, the Revolver Theatre Festival is running May 20th to 31st. It should be a great event with a sophisticated lineup showcasing the captivating works created by a new wave of Canadian artists. There is something for everyone with main stage shows, cabaret-style acts, a reading series, and other performances. The Revolver Festival is taking place at The Clutch in Vancouver, so that one starts tonight. And then lastly, adding to Vancouver's growing arts and culture scene, a four-day local and international art fair is being held at the Vancouver Convention Centre. This event showcases the diverse collection of original artwork, including paintings, sculptures, installations, and photography. The artists, uh, artists featured will also have the opportunity to share the stories and inspirations behind their creations. It should be a wonderful inaugural show showcasing local and international talent. Tickets range from 8 to $25, and uh, the fair takes place from May 25th, 21st sorry, to 24th. So make sure to check out all those amazing arts events in Vancouver. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, there's a couple more events happening uh, tonight in town. There is um, at the Cinematheque um, Tonight, starting at 7.30, Frames of Mind Monthly Mental Health Series presents the Vancouver premiere of Postpartum, which is a feature film debut by Belgian director um, Delphine um, Noels. And so the film is co-presented by the Institute of Mental Health um, and the UBC Department of Psychiatry, and it uses the venue to promote education on mental health issues. The, the film is moderated by Dr. Um, Harry Karlinski, a clinical uh, professor at the Department of Psycho uh, Psychiatry. And there will be a post-screening discussion with um, Dr. Heather Donaldson, who um, she's got a special interest in reproductive mental health, and she works at um, the Richmond Hospital. Also tonight... Um, the Kids in the Hall bring their reunion tour to the Queen Elizabeth Theatre, um, and they will be performing new material and revising um, cult characters and sketches. And um, perhaps uh, let's see if we can't find a little bit of uh, a classic bit of Kids in the Hall to um, play for you guys. So uh, I'll see if I can get something lined up. Friday, May 29th, at the Imperial, the Bar Brothers, Montreal Folk Quartet, the Bar Brothers, tour in support of their latest release, Sleeping Operator. Doors at 8pm, tickets available at Northern Tickets, Red Cat Records, and Zulu Records. This show is brought to you by MRG Concerts and CITR 101.9 FM. McCullough. I'd like to tell you about the Daves I know. These are the Daves I know, I know. These are the Daves I know. These are the Daves I know, I know. These are the Daves I know. David Hoffner, he works in my dad's store. 
He's worked for 12 years. He'll probably work here for more. These are the days I know, I know. These are the days I know. These are the days I know, I know. These are the days I know. Dave Gore, I've known since I was six. Ingrated, he broke his leg, so we got drunk and sick. These are the days I know, I know. These are the days I know. These are the days I know, I know. These are the days I know. Some of them are Davids, but most of us are Daves. They all have their own hands, but they come from different moms. These are the days I know, I know. These are the days I know. These are the days I know, I know. These are the days I know. Dave Jadiski, man, this cat can swing. He weighs almost 50 pounds and he delivers my paper on time. These are the days I know, I know. These are the days I know. These are the days I know, I know. These are the days I know. Dave Capisano, I hardly know him. These are the days I know, I know. These are the days I know. These are the days I know, I know. These are the days I know. We are the days we know, we know. Wednesday 20th and Thursday 21st, Timber Timber with special guest Shoo Shoo at the Biltmore Cabaret. Don't miss these two opportunities to catch Timber Timber as they tour in support of new album Hot Dreams. Tickets available at Ticketfly and Red Cat Records. This show is brought to you by MRG Concerts and CITR 101.9 FM. Welcome back to the Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM in Vancouver. And that lovely voice you just heard in that promo is here joining us in studio. That that was actually a computer program. It was a computer. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's, it's designed to emulate the human voice. It's sometimes hard to tell the difference. Um, we are, of course, joined by... Um, arts reporter and host of Cue It Up, um, none other than John Q. Yeah, I actually have something exciting there. I just got my first piece of mail. Someone sent me their album. Uh, As, like, for Cue It Up? Yeah, for, for Cue It Up. So that's super cool, actually. It's an exciting moment. What, uh, what was the album? I, Population Drops, I think, was the band. I couldn't say what the album is. I, 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 I just looked at it very briefly. I, uh, it's happened to me twice uh, for, for listeners. Up on the Roof. For Up on the Roof, that's right, Friday morning. With uh, lovely Robin. That's right. Uh, um, I share a show with Robin on Friday mornings, and we uh, two times have gotten this album from this guy. Uh, I forget his name, but he's kind of like a folk punk uh, mm-hmm. acoustic. I've seen his, I think he mailed everybody, every show his album i've seen it in the station well i didn't get one from him so if you're listening right now folk punk guy from toronto please reach out um so we just heard your voice in the timber timber concert timber Mm -hmm. timber is in town uh yeah with uh shushu who i i i I love shushu uh the band jamie stewart and uh timber timber i'm not so familiar with them but they're actually playing two nights uh they're playing tonight 
and tomorrow night as well at at the Biltmore. So really, there's no excuse to uh, miss it if you like either of those acts because they're here twice. Yeah. Definitely, Timber. I, I've seen Timber Tamber before. They put on a, mm-hmm. an excellent performance. But oh, you're you're cool. not here to talk about Timber Tamber. Um, or, or I'm here to talk creation. about architecture and maybe contemporary art. If we have time about that, we I'm not we sure. Definitely do have time okay. about that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so yeah, recently, uh, I mean, if you follow the Vancouver Art Gallery, uh, for I believe about two years now, they've announced their plans to build a new uh, gallery so that uh the logistics of it being uh you know greater uh a, a greater sort of piece of civic property of civic pride uh a and greater meeting space for people to more serve room the art community to serve the art community better you know is is the pitch uh there will be uh more room so that the art gallery can have more of its collection up on display at any and this is actually one of the wings of uh the new Herzog Moran, Herzog and Diem Moran, uh, who who is the Swedish uh, design firm, the architecture firm, who won uh, the right to create the new, uh, the new gallery. So the, uh, the new it's, gallery is is to show like these are some pieces of art <laughs> that we just have in a back room that we can't show you regularly because there isn't enough room in this current like courthouse. Well, I, I was surprised at that. I, I saw the exhibit myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I went last Tuesday because it was also the last day of the, the Rembrandt and the yes. Modern. I, w- I was there last Tuesday, actually, as well. Oh, I'm sorry yeah. I didn't see you. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, <laughs> well, there are a lot of people. <laughs> well, that, that room that had that exhibit for the, the new space and, and the new sort mm-hmm. of building, yep. I noticed that it was a wall just filled with um, classic pieces of art that I and I don't know much mm-hmm. about art history, but I recognize so many things. Were those, are those pieces that the Vancouver Gallery has? Uh, just... Presumably, presumably. Yeah, sure. uh, I mean, <laughs> these are pieces we could have if you, <laughs> if you, if we had a bigger, if we build this thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, theoretical <laughs> pieces of art that we might be able to purchase. Not an inch was spared on that wall, but they but... wanted to make their point for sure. I mean, it's already going through, it's going through with the city support, everything, all the zoning regulations seem to be in place, but they really want to sell the public. Well, on I, this new on this new building. I wanted to ask about <coughs> that because the, the Vancouver art gallery is currently housed on Georgia street. It's the old courthouse. Mm-hmm. Um, but the new space is a different location. It's on Granville, just the south end of Granville mm-hmm. downtown. Right right next to BC Place. Uh, right next to BC Place, yeah. Um, but I know that it's... Last I heard, it was contingent on some sort of funding, federal and provincial and municipal funding. Mm-hmm. Is is that now? I, I believe all levels, uh, municipal, provincial, and federal, have... High-fived. Yeah, they have dived right in to this... Pro- it's, it's undergoing... Uh, it's going to be undergoing construction very soon, I believe. And, uh, yeah, it seems like, uh, in, in terms of the rhetor- like the rhetorical pull of the presentation and which I saw, which with, uh, was, uh, with Mr. Herzog, I'm forgetting his first name now. Gosh, Jacques Herzog, Jacques Herzog was at the Orpheum and it was incredibly well populated. I was so surprised. Mm-hmm. And I always forget how, uh, young professional the city is and I, I say that in somewhat of a snarky way but it is indeed the truth uh the orpheum was just completely packed yeah to see uh this man talk and he is so influential and so powerful within the architecture community uh but yeah no and so people are very excited about it uh 
and and you know there there are problems there uh but yeah no it's Herzog and Dimeron who are going forward with it and they you know it's like a big pull for a city to be able to say that they have one of their uh, pieces of architecture in the city uh like I think in recent years the most well they just completed a project uh the design firm uh it's a football stadium, and I can't tell you where that is, uh, but I think that has just been completed. I think it's in uh, Spain or Barcelona. Yes, or I think so. And it's like a, a very, very open concept, very uh, like delicate style building as in an arena concept. Uh, so it's very interesting in that sense. But, you know, they, they've done a, the, the firm has done a lot. They collaborated with a uh, Chinese architect and artist for the uh, Beijing uh, stadium, oh, yeah. which 2008 Olympics, everyone knows what that looks like. Uh, the Tate Modern is probably their most uh, famous piece of architecture, and it's the uh, I believe it used to be an automobile factory in London, but it was redesigned into the new Tate uh, Museum of Art. Uh, there's the Prada store in Japan, which is very I'm very, very famous building as well. With- the Japanese Prada store. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, what can you tell us about spent, the Japanese Prada store? Spent many dollars. Oh, I, I can't afford to go shop okay. for Prada. In, in Tokyo? You yeah, can't no, fly to no. Tokyo to shop at the flagship Prada store? The, the closest I get to that is I go to Prado Cafe, yeah. and I always think that Prado sounds like Prada. It's, it's like, you know, it's like a six-floor building, so it's like... I'm, you walk in, and then every have you been there? Every no, but I've I again they during the Herzog and Dimeron uh, presentation they did a long portion about four of their pieces of architecture and why they were designed the way they were designed, and mm-hmm. this was one of them. Uh, and but you know just from like an ostensible standpoint, it's like six. It's a six story tall building or something, and it's just six stories of Pratimer. So it's like you walk in, and it's like okay, it's first level. You know they don't screen you or anything, but you finally get to the second level. You have to show them like, you have to show them like you have like plastic, something like that. And if you want to get up to the third level, like it just keeps going. Only a few select people can get up to the sixth level. How? <laughs> is what, uh, yeah. This is my hypothesis. My, I'm not. I am freeballing here. There is there is no degree of truth. My belief necessarily here is that the sixth floor is just one man sitting on a stool, mm-hmm. and it's just created for the wonder of all the people mm-hmm. who who get turned away. Interesting. Just always wonder what's what's beyond. Yeah, well, you know, it, it it goes to show you wealth can't buy you every or whatever the message there is. But anyhow, now this is very interesting actually because I'm I, I'm Chinese and coming you know coming having spent time in Beijing and Shanghai. Uh, having a little bit of time in Japan, although this is not so much the case in Japan, and certainly in Richmond, where I live now, a lot of Asian-inspired, uh, particularly Chinese-focused architecture there. It is very interesting how, in a great deal of East Asian countries, uh, malls, shopping malls, are stacked so as to, like, if it's, like, on the first floor, then that's where, you know, everyone can shop there and it's all fine. And, you know, second floor, maybe it gets a bit more exclusive, a bit really? more out of price range. Yeah, and then on the third floor, it's, like, they don't even open the doors. Like, if you know you're supposed to go there and you know you want to go buy things there, then you'll just open the doors yourself. You'll, like, just go there. Uh, but they won't open, you know, it's not like a typical, like, Western shopping mall where the doors, even if you went by Chanel or something, or not Chanel, or Coach. Like, yeah. Coach is something that's becoming super popular now. So you go to a, like, Pacific Center or something, and the Coach store will just be open concept, of course, come right in, hold Renfrew, you know, out, out of sure. the absolute majority of people's reach. But, you know, just open concept, come on in. Uh, you know, in an Asian Chinese shopping center, it would be closed doors. And it's like, if you're coming in, then you know that there's something for you here. Otherwise, we're not going to really 
extend a hand and welcome you in. Completely anecdotal, because what Herzog and Demeron really focus on, and this is a big part of the presentation, yeah. is architecture, uh, particularly civic architecture, as like something which is extending itself into the community and which is open for the community so that even if you're not necessarily there to shop at Prada, uh, one thing they noticed is that when they were doing that design for Tokyo, Japanese culture is quite insular. Like, So you look at the Tokyo landscape from a topographic level. They talked a lot about topographic analysis. There's very little actual outdoors room. You know, there's very little like parks or, you know, within the city proper. Mm -hmm. Like if you want to sit down to eat your lunch at a park, you'd have to go to a park, something like that. There's very few courtyards, things like that. Uh, So the Prada building is very rare. It's like unique in that area of Tokyo in the shopping district because there are actually benches outside. There's a courtyard. There's room for like gathering. Similar uh, to the the current art gallery and the future mm-hmm, art gallery, mm-hmm. that will be and built. yeah, that's definitely you know they didn't speak too much to like the current art gallery as although it certainly is, and they they've played shows there, which mm-hmm. is another thing Vancouver's always been very interested in is live, con- like the concept of live performance, live uh, community gathering events. You know, you know sometimes this erupts in funny ways, you know, because obviously the riots during the last playoff. Uh, and then or, Gregor or, or, Robertson stampeded out saying, you know, we gave the city a really nice thing, <laughs> but we're n- not next year. Or even the... Not that it matters anymore because the Canucks are never going to win the Stanley Cup. Oh, that's, well. That's, that's just know. the fact of it. You know, I well, that's and that's a whole nother topic. Yes. <laughs> that maybe on Up on the Roof we can discuss it mm-hmm. or, or on Cue It Up we can... Uh, there's the there's no sports talk on my show whatsoever. Yeah, well, maybe on Up on the Roof, if Robin lets me, maybe. then we can talk about... Well, John, thank you for telling us mm-hmm. um, about the Jacques Herzog exhibit at the Vancouver Gallery. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and that's going to be down on the first floor for a few more months. Uh, there's another exhibit uh, opening at the Vancouver Art Gallery on the 24th, I believe, of this month, on the second floor, and it's, I believe, the entire second floor. Uh, but I can't speak to what that is. And uh, yeah, if you're interested in learning more about uh, that particular civic development, you can make your way over to Vancouver Art Gallery and uh, check it out. Perfect. Well, thank you very much. And we hope to see more of you on the Arts Report in um, in the upcoming days and months. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, Hell of a Girl is a new performance. Uh, it's a new play. It's a new album by Jeff Gladstone and the Bad Ideas. Um, we are going to have Jeff Gladstone over the phone shortly. And uh, But first, here is Jeff Gladstone and the Bad Ideas with Hell of a Girl. She blew into town like a hurricane She drowned me in sunshine Then she dried me with rain She showed me her scars She made her mark Laid lilies and dynamite On the road to my heart so tightly she blew me away I rained down in pieces and all I could say 
She's a hell of a girl. Hell of a girl. Oh, she's got to be wild. She's got to be free. She's loving another because she's so in love with me. So I keep letting go. She keeps turning it up. I'm too hard to handle. I'm never enough. If you see her down, please make her smile. I want her so badly. Had to let her. She's a hell of a girl. Hell of a hell of a girl. She blew out of town like a hurricane. She showed me heaven and she drove me insane. Cause sometimes we hurt the ones we love if we hold them too closely while we're hurting ourselves. But we learn how to love by giving too much. And even if it kills me, I'll never have enough. She's a hell of a girl. Hell of a Girl is a cowboy noir opera loosely based on the myth of Orpheus and Eurydice, set in a timeless world filled with cowboys, nymphs, demons, and all told through 26 original songs about obsession, perdition, and love. Um, The show has been described as grand old Opry meets Tom Waits and is part of the Revolver Festival um, running... Uh, Well, the festival runs tonight through May 31st, and the show runs uh, tonight through, I believe, May 26th. Um, And the show was created by Jeff Gladstone and the Bad Ideas, uh, who joins us over the phone. Welcome to the Arts Report. Hi, thanks for uh, having me here. Oh, well, thanks for coming on. I I understand that we're actually taking you away from your final rehearsal before tonight's show. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's true. Um... But you know we should be ready by now. <laughs> well, tell tell me uh, tell me about the show. Well, what we've done is it's these songs that make up the album are are the base of what 
we've used and uh, to build a story on top of it, we've gone back to these Greek myths. So there's Orpheus and Eurydice, Hades and Persephone also play a, a key role in it as well. So kind of take some old myths and mix them up and uh, just get into the relationships. And uh, we have a full chorus of demons. And, uh, yeah, it's a big old musical. It goes to hell and back, and lots happens. It's a myth that um, it really lends itself to to kind of rock opera or cowboy noir opera. What is it about the cowboy aesthetic, do you think, that... Well, well, both the myth and the cowboy aesthetic that kind of go together so well. Well, yeah, I guess the, I mean, the songs themselves kind of live in a, between country and rockabilly into jazz and film noir kind of aesthetic and kind of roam the space in between there. And uh, the thing I love about myths is that it's, there's something timeless about it. You can, you can set these myths in any time or location and, becomes just about the relationships and the journeys of the characters. Um, you know, there's a lot of great adaptations of the Orpheus myth. There's one called Black Orpheus that it's like Rio de Janeiro with uh, with great music in it. And uh, yeah, yeah so kind we of decided a to set it in this world. I, that was a, I, I, if I'm right, I think that's a film from the 70s and it's kind of like a Caribbean take on the whole. Yeah. Well, there's also one, it's called... Hades Town by Aeneas Mitchell and somewhere from yes. the American Midwest. It, that's what yours kind of really reminded me of with um, mm-hmm. the aesthetic and everything. What yeah. is, can you tell me a little bit about that myth about um, Orpheus and Eurydice? Uh, in a nutshell, he Orpheus was a musician. And he was known as this great musician when he played songs like the sun would rise, the tides would sway to the sound of his voice. And he had one true love, and in the myth, she gets bitten by a viper and taken to the underworld. And he goes on a journey to find her, so he sings a song to be let to the gates, and he travels through hell to find her. And Hades lets them return on one condition, that if he looks back before they make it through, then the deal's off, and she'll spend eternity in the underworld. And, of course, in myth fashion, he, he does. He looks back, and she gets drawn back to the underworld, says farewell, and he gets torn apart by the main ads and becomes a pile of bones on the side of the river. It's in a good, tragic fashion. Yeah, uh, the, exactly. The album... So in our version, we, we take that basic structure, but we play with it a lot. And we, uh, there's, yeah, it's our own variation on it. Inspired by that, one of the main things is that you know we found the myth kind of talks about his journey going to find her, but we thought, well, what what's her journey like? What's her experience in hell, and does she actually want to be rescued at all? So we tried to explore some of those that aspect of it. Really cool. Well, yeah. I want to ask you about. Um, I know that it, it began as an album, and and it's sort of the for the CD re- or the album release it was kind of transformed into this opera what, what's that transformation like it's been like totally just a natural progression i guess like the songs are i've written over some of them 20 years ago some of them in the last couple of years and the way i like to work musically and in theater is really collaboratively so with the album i took the songs to my good friend in toronto and we shared them with some musicians she knew out there, and everyone just 
did their own interpretations and came up with, you know, we collaborated on the arrangements. So when it came to doing the CD release party in Vancouver, I wanted to keep that spirit going. So I hired all Vancouver musicians and we again reinterpreted the songs. Uh, and we had, yeah, a huge cast for that one because it was one night only. Now we're, we're trying to keep the epic scope, but bring down the scale of it so that we could possibly uh, tour it in the future. So for this one, we have like 11, 11 performers who all play music and act and, yeah. Now, I, I know for the CD release, um, at, at one point, you, you well, you dipped into Kickstarter and, and um, mm-hmm. one of your thank yous for people who would um, contribute was, was a song that you would write, a thank you theme song. Yeah. Um, and I, I'd like to play one of those right now. It's just a short one. To what I'm dishing, put on your mittens and pet those kittens. If your eyes are missing, put on the ritzin, put off your blitzin, and call up your vixen and stop wishing you was gone fishing. If you're on a mission, take an intermission and come in the kitchen. Cause I'm fond of Britain. Stars reminiscing, you're gonna blow a piston. Be wishing you were there in the room, oh my. Be wishing you were there in the room, oh my. Be wishing you was there in the room. Uh, well, I, I wanted to play that for a couple reasons. One, because sort of. I think just to get the kind of sense of the the feeling of some of the songs, um, yeah. But but also to to ask you about um, what it, what it was like making those, making about a dozen or so kind of personal thank yous. It was like way more than I than I bargained for. Um, I I just done the release and I was actually performing in a show in Regina in the man of La Mancha. And so I was staying in this little basement suite and I had my classical guitar with me and I was like, okay, I'm in Regina for four weeks. This is a great time to write and record all these theme songs. And I wrote 12 songs and, and a lot of the people of course who donated were people I'm, I know some good friends, you know, my parents were included and, and some people I didn't know at all. So I asked a few questions and people kind of wrote back with what they wanted to inspire them. And uh, so I spent all my spare time in Regina was spent writing and recording these songs. And I I wanted to make the videos kind of interesting. So if you look, they all kind of happen in different. um, How how do you say it? Like they're not all filmed straight on. No, they're they're all meant to look like that. Yeah. You pl- well, you play with the angles, and so each, uh, I mean, with the camera placement and with your own body orientation, I mean, some of them you're kind of, it looks like you're hanging from the ceiling, kind of playing this, or f- kind of floating on a wall. Um, they're presented re- in a really nice way. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. Like, I can't imagine if someone would have walked in and seen me, like, lying on the floor with my feet up on the fridge and, like, <laughs> singing these songs it was pretty absurd how I had to come up with some of that stuff, but I was happy the way they turned out. Things to do in, in Regina. <laughs> exactly, yeah. 
Now, <laughs> what can people uh, expect now? Um, tonight is the, the opening of the show. It's running uh, for the next yeah. little while with the Revolver Festival. Uh, what can people expect from the show? Oh, man, we, my, my brother has directed it. His name's Ryan, and he has a company called Monster Theater, and he's a, we <clears throat> have done lots of work together over the years, but it, it's been a while, and he's a, he's a great director and a brilliant guy, and he's really helped me craft some kind of, you know, a, a real story out of it. And we try to play with the audience's expectations. It, it begins as just a concert, uh, like I'm a solo guy named Orpheus playing a concert, and then what essentially happens is hell erupts into the theater. Um, we went with the logic that every theater is actually a portal to the underworld. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, there's there's about yeah 25 songs. Uh, John Murphy, who plays Hades, is a spectacular. Flula Winkleman uh, plays Persephone. Emma Slit plays Eurydice, and I play Orpheus. And, and they all are just kill some of these songs um you know i never really uh expected i was to be a singer like i love writing music and i love giving the songs to other people to perform and sing so it's a it's a pleasure to be up there and hear these songs interpreted by uh some great actor performers because they all just uh yeah so and then we've got a chorus of seven demons that play bass and guitar and crawl around following hades in their uh they're a, a fantastic ensemble. They've all died in a different way, and they each have their own stories, too. So, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, it's a real ride, I think, that we've we've got. So we'll um, yeah, put it up tonight and see see what happens. All right. Well, we'll Jeff, um, break a leg tonight, and, um, and we're looking forward to the show. We're going to leave the people with um, just a, a couple samples from, um, from some of the songs tonight. Great. That's awesome. Thanks a lot. All right, Jeff, thanks for uh, taking the time to, to talk with us at the show. It was a real pleasure. My pleasure. Yeah. We'll see you around. Thank you for listening to The Arts Report. This has been the show for May the 20th, uh, 2015. Um, in arts news, 
Today is Cher's birthday. Sonny and Cher. <laughs> Little known fact. Um, so uh, we, just as we say goodbye, we'd like to introduce um, one of our newest arts reporters, Jacob Medvedev. <laughs> Jacob Medvedev. Yes. Medvedev. I actually, I did pretty good. No, that was pretty good at first, first try, yeah. Oh, thank you very much. So um, Jacob is a, a brand new intern at CITR and a new arts reporter for the Arts Report and has been sitting in all day. How have you been finding it? I've been finding it amazing, actually. And first and foremost, I'd like to say thank you to CITR for giving me this opportunity. And thanks a lot to Jake, from Jacob to Jake. I'd like to say thank you for letting me sit in on your show. Oh, you're welcome. And so um, how long have you been? How, when did your intern start? In I trip? started my training last Thursday, I think, and I did that in a day. And then uh, so I guess this is my first official role at the radio station, just sitting in on this show today. And I look forward to helping out with future shows. Perfect. And what, yeah, what, what do you uh, hope to get out of your time here at CITR? Well, I just really like to get a feel for what it's like to work at a radio station. And there are just so many different amazing shows here. And so I'd like to get as involved as possible. And um, who knows where this will take me. Yeah. Well, it's a pleasure to meet you and welcome aboard. Yeah, thank you. You too. Um, all right. This has been the Arts Report for May the 20th, 2015. If you um, have any comments about the show, feel free to email us at arts at citr.ca. Uh, if you'd like to get involved, uh, it's very easy and um, you're always welcome. Uh, send us an email at arts at citr.ca and stay tuned. DJ Sam is going to be in the studio for the next uh, about half hour or so. And then I believe Sam Squinch's Hadaway is going to bring us some smooth songs. <laughs> Goodbye. The Fire Hall Art Center's God and the Indian explores one of Canada's darkest chapters, the residential school system. Celebrated playwright Drew Hayden Taylor's black humor illuminates this heartbreaking story of a Cree woman who cannot escape her past. On from May 20th to 30th, see firehallartcenter.ca for details.